0: My name's Matt Dana and I'm the managing general partner of Dana Whiting Law and this is my partner my name's Trevor Whiting I'm glad to be uh, partnered with Matt for 10 years 10, now 10 years we've had a good run and uh, Trevor I wanted to talk about a topic today about how estate planning applies to our parents and a lot of people when they think estate planning they think well I'm, I'm too young to really do anything and uh, you know, I, you know, my family's young, and I'm not going to die, and they're not thinking estate planning, but all, all these people have parents, and uh, both of my parents are deceased, but my father-in-law, Murray Woods, is still alive, and uh, Murray's 93 years old. And who do you have in your family to upstream generation?
1: My parents are still alive. My wife's parents are still alive. And it's something that, you know, I made a priority. I made sure to, I've worked with them to make sure that they've got their estate plan in place because I know it's gonna fall on me and my siblings and my wife and her siblings, you know, when they need to be taken care of. Yeah. And it's important to have those plans in place.
0: I think I threw out a term here that's kind of a, 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 a term that's used today. They call it upstream planning. And mo- most of the time in estate planning, we look downstream and we're planning for our kids and our grandkids. But I think we need to start looking upstream about our parents. And I, I, I had an interesting phone call up yesterday on that illustrates the point, what happens when people don't properly plan. And uh, a guy calls me from San Diego. His dad just died in Yuma and his dad had remarried somebody three years ago and dad didn't have a will dad didn't have a trust and this guy was upset that his stepmother uh, married to dad when dad died wouldn't give him any information wouldn't tell him about the assets wouldn't tell him about the bank accounts and and i said well the problem is is i think before dad died, he might have put everything in joint tenancy with survivorship with that new wife. And when he dies, it's all going to survivorship over to the new wife. And, and, and this particular, he was the only child. I think he's out of luck. But I think that, Trevor, you've seen a lot of cases like that. I mean, let's start with the proposition. There's a lot of problems when the upstream generation doesn't plan.
1: It, it's true and you know, I just met with a client that your story made me think of this other client I met with They came in and said, you know, our situation's complicated because we were both previously married and we had children from uh, Previous previous marriages, but now we've been together for 23 years. Yeah, you know How do we plan and how do we make sure that some you know when we're both gone some goes to husband's children some goes to wife's children and absent the estate plan know how their assets were currently titled if they didn't come in and and do something it would have been that when one spouse passes away everything would have been left to the other spouse and then when they pass away if they still hadn't done a plan it probably would have just gone to that second spouse's children and so you know it's important that that people understand
0: that even failing to plan is is a type of plan itself. Yeah, you know, I wrote an article some some years ago that talked about the 10 most common mistakes in estate planning, and I actually listed the failure to plan as the number one mistake. Well, let's move on to somebody that is is going to plan and what what type of plan should they have? And I think the the biggest question we start to get, I I think one of the biggest problems the the elderly people are facing right now is long-term care and the cost of long-term care. And I think there's another reason they should plan. There's There are techniques and strategies where they can protect assets. Some assets are exempt from long-term care costs, some assets aren't. Uh, there, there's specific rules about giving assets away and what the look-back periods are. but. Talk to me about your your parents and maybe we always joke about Grandma Whiting. Is is there really a Grandma Whiting? Still my around? Grandma Whiting's gone, but Good. my kids' Grandma Whiting's okay. is there. So, my well, mom. what what are the concerns? What are the concerns you see your parents have? Or do they talk to you and they ask questions and what are they concerned about? They do, you know. I mean,
1: like a lot of people my age, you know, they, they probably are having conversations with their parents and. You know, my parents they have uh, some real estate up in my hometown, Eager, Arizona and you know we, we talked about okay how's that gonna be divided you know amongst I've got five siblings so how is it gonna be divided amongst the six of us and you know what about I've got a brother that lives up there you know is he gonna get preferential choice or you know anything like that and you know how does that come into play uh, and without having those discussions You know, it's difficult to know, um, first of all, what my parents want, and then, you know, if they want something that isn't what one of the siblings might think is absolutely fair. It's good to know that in advance. Yeah. I think it's good to have a a meeting with, you know, the kids and, and after the parents set up their estate plan. Let them know what the plan is. Let them know what the plan is. Let the kids hear it from mom and dad's mouth so that they can ask questions and understand the reasoning for why they set up a plan a certain way. And, you know, but... You start implementing you know, the, the strategies of, of a revocable trust and, and get that well drafted where it says what happens when one spouse passes away and we want to take care of that second spouse and we want to protect assets from long-term care costs and things like that. So we do the, the traditional A-B trust and put in special provisions for that. And we want to make sure that there are mechanisms in place like the powers of attorney yeah. that when something happens and a parent becomes incapacitated, we can make health care decisions, we can pay
0: medical bills on their behalf, we can file their tax returns, things like that. And I kind of think sometimes parents, and I know when I talk to older generations, I think they kind of live a little bit in la la, la la land in the sense saying, you know, my kids aren't gonna fight or this isn't going to be a problem. And I think it's a false sense of security because while mom and dad are alive, the kids are very reluctant to talk about things. They don't want to appear to be a greedy child, or they don't want to, they don't want to appear that they're anxious for the parents to die. And so parents think that this there's going to be this close family, but as soon as mom and dad are gone, my experience is the 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 things that are coming out of the children's mouth is quite different than what would come out of their mouth when when mom and dad were alive especially this issue you mentioned with, you've got one brother that lives on a property and, and maybe it's a ranch and he's, ran, you know, he's running the ranch. You know, you could argue he should get preferential treatment, but some people might say, well, he got to live on the ranch and he got paid for it. And, and, and at the end, it's a family asset. So I think, I think what you're saying, I, I, I think you and I both see two, two issues there. One, if there's gonna be a piece of real estate that the plan is it's going to stay in the family, you know, you, you definitely need to plan what's going to happen. There's got to be a lot
1: of discussion A lot of discussion.
0: That. And then I think the other thing is a family business. Mm-hmm. And then when we see that family businesses are complicated, you know, you might take, take a situation where, in my own situation, I had five kids and at any given point in time, two of the kids worked in the business and a few didn't work in the business and if I die, there's a real question on, on do those kids that worked in the business, should the business just go to them? Did they help build it so it's really their business? Where the ones that don't work in the business say, well, it's just an asset and should be sold. So good things. Let's kind of move on to another topic. And I think, I think Trevor and I are giving some food for thought on these issues that the parents need to think about. Talk about also, Trevor, let's, let's get into a tax, a couple of tax issues now. Uh, for full disclosure, Trevor and I are both uh, certified tax nerds. Uh, we both have advanced degrees from New York University in taxation. We both have LLM degrees, which is a, a master's of law degree. And I'm also a CPA, and Trevor's also an MBA. So when we talk tax, we know tax. But Trevor, tell us just, just briefly about what what does it mean to have a step up in basis when somebody dies johnny's been taking care of me i think i want to just give him the house now talk to talk to me about the tax consequences of if we gave the house to johnny now versus we kept it in the estate and johnny gets it out of a will
1: yeah we get that question a lot because you know parents might come into the office and say hey i want to make everything simple why don't i just put my my child or you know Johnny on the title of all my assets right now that'll make it easier. Well, it, you know if if they start giving assets away, there's a difference from a tax standpoint to Johnny if he receives the, an asset by gift as opposed to receiving it at death. And what's better? What it's better to receive it at death. Why? And the the reason why is because when somebody passes away, the assets that they hold that they own at that point in time, get us what we call a step up in basis that you mentioned. What is basis? What does basis mean? Basis is essentially what somebody paid for an asset. And that's the measuring rod that triggers capital gain when the asset's sold. Right. So a simple example, if somebody bought IBM stock for $10 a share a long time ago, their basis is $10 per share. But now as IBM stock goes up in value, if it's worth $100 per share, at the time of death, and, and, and I inherit that share of IBM stock, my basis in the stock is now the $100 value that was the value at the time of death. Yeah. If, uh, Meaning, if, if it I be sold the next and day, it, and no capital gains. No capital gains. But instead, if I was gifted a share of IBM stock while, while my mom was alive, and she paid $10 for it, my basis is $10. If I turn around and sell it, I have to pay gains on the yeah. difference between $10 and whatever I sold it for. So and it's so, better for Johnny to wait, isn't it? It's better for Johnny to wait. Johnny might say he, want that, he wants that house, but if he'll wait and, and receive it at death, it's a better tax
0: result. Now, Trevor, also on another tax issue, on talk, talk to me about the estate tax. Now, a lot of people get confused because you hear this word tax and you think, the word tax is is singular, but the word tax can apply to capital gains when you sell an asset like you mentioned. It could apply to income tax in the sense of an IRA getting distributions out. It could uh, apply to a death tax, and the federal government does have a death tax, and some states have a death tax. But just quickly, how, how important is the death tax on from the IRS's perspective today to our senior citizens? It's you know it doesn't impact very many people
1: these days we're you know we throw out the number that it might only impact less than one percent of all Americans because the exemption for that estate tax is so high it's 11.4 million dollars per person So you know, it's very few people that it's going to apply to. Yeah, and because of that, you know, there's there's some planning opportunities where we can (coughs) use somebody's estate tax uh, exemption, and maybe you know transfer assets to upstream to a parent before they pass away, so that now it can be given back to. The child, you know, when when mom and dad put that away, new base, with that new step up in basis.
0: Yeah, I have Trevor right now drafting a trust for me on this particular building that we sit in. I own this building and it's been depreciated over the years, and so my cost base is really low. And then I have my 93 year old father in law, and so Trevor, you're telling me there's a strategy where I could essentially have the night have this building in my father's estate when he dies he'll get the step up in basis and then the asset comes back to me that's that's a pretty slick technique right and we they, call that that's our upstream planning right that's upstream planning again it's something
1: that we think about now when we talk about elderly parents and yeah what type of planning do we need to do not only do we want to make sure that their estate plan is in place and, and properly drafted but what opportunities do we have to get some of these tax benefits
0: that that come into play with these older parents. Yeah, and I think, you know, back to kind of the the 10 most common mistakes that the elderly would make, we talked about the failure to plan, we've talked about now some tax considerations. Let's talk about the guy that that has a pretty trust and he brings in this pretty binder and he's got a pretty trust in there and he's got a pretty will in there and it, it was done 10 years ago and he gets the dust off of it and uh, the, the biggest problem we have is that that binder's a pretty document, but it doesn't work unless all the assets are coordinated to be in that trust. So talk to me about what it means to fund a trust. And, 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 and I think that's a very common mistake, especially for you know your people coming from ranch country. Trevor's from Springerville. It's ranch country in Arizona. Everybody up there has a ranch. It's passed down for generations. Land gets split and divided. But what does it mean to fund that trust? Yeah, what that means is that we want to make sure that all the assets
1: that mom and dad own, when they set up the trust, those assets need to be titled to the trust. That means on the ranch, on, on the home, on all real estate, we do a new deed and we, um, the new deed says that the trust owns that house. Well, what and about my, my,
0: my trust says upon my death, all of my assets go to my kids. Doesn't that mean on my death all of my assets are in the trust? It, it it doesn't.
1: It actually has to list the the deed has to list the the trust as the owner of the property, or the bank account at Wells Fargo or or you know Bank of America has to say that that bank account is owned by the trust. You go to your brokerage, uh, your financial advisor, and change the brokerage accounts. Um, you know clients come in with all sorts of strange assets, you know, uh, oil interests or mineral interests in New Mexico and Texas or Oklahoma or a lease or, you know, maybe they've made a loan to somebody and they're receiving payments back on the sale of of land or something like that. We have to make sure that those assets, anything that's of value to mom and dad, that it's titled to that trust or else we're probably going to have to do probate. And that's really the main reason for setting up that revocable
0: trust is to avoid probate. Yeah, and you and I both know doing this for a lot of years that people that have the pretty binders and the pretty trust, I, I, I've, always, I've, I've always guessed, and I have no way of proving it, but I, I've thought that you know 50% or greater still end up in probate because there's the oil interest. Do you, do you have an opinion on that? I mean, it's, it's hard to really gauge. I, I guess I gauge it on a lot of the trust that I've set up and, you know, once we set it up, we don't really follow up with our client year after year whether they keep it property funded, but, I mean, what's your opinion on that?
1: I'd say it's, you know, maybe right there almost 50%. You know, mom and dad pass away, the kids come to town, and we, that's the first thing we tell them to do is put together an inventory of assets and list, you know, very clearly who owns each of these assets. Is it the trust? Or was it just in mom's name or just in dad's name or even jointly owned by the two of them? If they're gone now, we have to consider whether we need to do probate for that asset.
0: Well, and I'd say Trevor, too. I think it's a different, when you're planning for your parents, I think it's different, like your parents, you see them very regularly, you you know, you live in the same state, you you visit them often. I think that's quite different than the guy that lives in Chicago and his parents are, are in a nursing home out here, right? And I, you know, if I'm the guy living in Chicago and my my dad's gone and my my mom's living in a nursing home in Arizona, I'd get out here as frequently as I can and I'd sort through mom's mail and I'd ask a lot of questions at the front desk. Who's visiting mom? And you and I both know that there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of abuse, uh, elder abuse and financial abuse and, even physical abuse of the elderly. Right. In fact, I think Arizona has some very strict statutes on on elder abuse, and I, I and I think I'm giving advice. If your parents aren't uh, living in your same state, you need to see them regularly, and you need to ask a lot of questions, and you need to uh, see their bank statements and, and see how things are titled, and. Now I kind of want to shift gears into just for a few minutes on uh, on on powers of attorney and how how long do these podcasts usually last? Uh, Give me a a are we going too long or
1: too short? No, there's some podcasts that go you know hour hour plus
0: you know two hours. I think we can go five more minutes. Five more minutes. All right. Well, let's get into uh, another topic for the elderly, which I think is an interesting topic, and it's powers of attorney. And I think there's some issues there, what happens if you don't have a power of attorney? And I think there's issues that happen if you've got the wrong person that has power of attorney. And I think one of the most common questions I get all the time, and I I met an elderly couple yesterday in Sedona, we were talking about powers of attorney, and I said, Now this would give your if you sign this power of attorney, this would give your husband the right if you became incapacitated to deal with your assets, the right to sell the home, the right to do something with the bank accounts. And they said, well, wait a minute, we're married. We're husband and wife. Isn't Arizona a community property state? Doesn't he automatically have that right? Talk, talk to me why they need that power of attorney and why just being married in a community property state doesn't cut it. Yeah.
1: I- Community property, you know, it's, it's kind of a strange concept, but, you know, people have that basic understanding of what it is. It's that husband and wife own everything 50-50. But when, you know, if you've got a situation where, let's say, husband has a bank account and he's got, you know, $50,000 in this bank account, but it's just in his name. Although wife probably has a community property interest and in the event of death or divorce, she could probably get half of that and say that that's hers. The, you know, What doesn't change is that the bank still recognizes just husband as the owner of that account. And so if, if husband becomes incapacitated, we need some authority in order to access his account. Yeah. And so if, husband's in a coma, if wife has a good power of attorney that says she can act as his agent, she can go to the bank and say, I'm his agent, I'm, uh, I can access his account and that, that power of attorney will give her that authority. So it's a it's an issue of that bank's, they're they're very conservative. They're not going to turn over, fifty thousand dollars to anybody that comes in saying I'm married to this guy you know now he's incapacitated or even I'm a I'm a child or a spouse or whatever yeah they're gonna say no if your name's not on that account
0: we're not gonna let you touch it until you prove your authority and the chance of somebody becoming disabled and incapacitated you know let's say somebody in their 70s they're probably ten times more likely of becoming incapacitated in the next ten years than they are to die and just as important as that, uh, that financial power of attorney is the healthcare power of attorney. Same issue. Just because, just because Nancy's married to me, and 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 and, and, and Nancy's in a car accident, and the doctors are talking about we want to do this or that surgery. Uh, if I don't have that healthcare power of attorney, I, I don't have the right to make decisions of what Nancy wants. And right.
1: They're looking for Nancy affirmatively appointing you and and saying that. Matt's the one that I want to make those decisions
0: for me. Yeah. And, and they're going to look for a health care power of attorney document that clearly states that. Now, just in summary here, and I think we've uh, had most people click us off already, but if anybody's out there still listening, uh, you know, just to summarize, we're talking about planning for the elderly. And we're talking about just because you're young and your family's young and you don't think you're going to die, it is important for you to do the plan, but it's probably more important that you make sure mom and dad. Have theirs uh, properly done and do that upstream planning. And we talked about failure to plan is probably the biggest mistake. We talked about having the right kind of trust that will deal with all these issues you talked about. Have you know having that that piece of real estate that's in the family or the family business. We've got to sort out those issues. And yeah, they're hard issues. And sometimes mom and dad don't want to talk about it, but but they have to. And then we talked about funding the trust. It's not enough to have the pretty binder. You've got to make sure your assets are in the trust. And then we talked about have, having the powers of attorney. And then and then you spoke on some, some very good tax reasons. But uh, what's your kind of closing argument on, on planning for the elderly and I
1: I think you've summed it up well I mean it's important you know and and I think it is going to be um, the responsibility sometimes of the, the children you know to make sure that mom and dad have their plan in place and that they understand what it is and and where the documents are located,
0: who the attorney you're not are. a greedy child if you go to and ask your parents about their estate plan. I mean, and and
1: part of it, you know, especially that discussion about powers of attorney, it's we, you want it, the child wants to make sure that mom and dad are taken care of. Yeah, you know that they'll be able to help them out as needed in the event of uh, incapacity and things like that. So well, the very last important. the
0: last issue I'm I'm seeing a change in clients more willing to disclose. I mean, it seemed like you know. Thirty years ago, when I started practicing, uh, the elderly was like, "No, I don't want Johnny and Susie to know what I have." By dang, I worked hard, and they're not going to know. But I think now it's it's. I, I like your point. Is let's 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 let them know in advance. So if there's going to be any trouble, we we get that out. So. Right. All right, so in closing, Trevor, I, we've had a fun time doing this, but uh, it, it's, it's not just important to talk about. It's important to do something. And so we would invite anybody out there that if you have parents, uh, we always pride ourselves in the fact that we offer a free initial consult. Bring mom and dad in, and, and if you can't bring up these sensitive topics, we can bring them up. But c- come in, give us a call. There's no charge the first time to come in and meet us, and then we can lay out a plan.